Welcome back, you beautiful people, to the Real Collective Podcast. I am Sean Tasse, joined as always with my illustrious host Kyle Miller from Mortgage Brokers Ottawa. Peace, peace to you, Kyle. And uh, how are you doing, man? Oh, living the dream, you know, living the dream. It's still, still busy. Things are harder. Well, I won't lie, things are a little bit harder these days, but still busy. And uh, but you know, it's, it's it's November, so here we are, November. Uh, that uh, that November rain hurts. Nothing great, lasts great song though. Nothing lasts forever. Great song though. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, if you guys are liking what you're hearing, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, download and on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify. Share this with someone who you think might be interested in this kind of content. We wanted to talk a little bit about the seasonality that we're seeing in this market right now, the shifts that we're seeing. I just took a look at all of the data uh, and all of the numbers from October. October has been a big slowdown. We're also reporting numbers a little bit differently. Um, so they were reporting them in a particular way. Now they're reporting them based on what's called an HPI, a home price index. So in real estate in Ottawa, there was always this confusing bit when the Canadian Real Estate Association would look at Ottawa numbers and the Canadian Real Estate Association would say, hey, you sold 864 houses. And the Ottawa Real Estate Association said, no, we sold 879 houses. And it's like, well, why is there that discrepancy? So the Ottawa Real Estate Board is not doing stats anymore. And why is the question on your face, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, how is that possible? It's, um, such, it's such important, like it is important data to know yeah, yeah. stuff. Like yeah. we're not feeling this, this is right. data. Yeah, and, and so the, the you know, you'd have the reporters saying, hey, I've got the CREA data, I've got the Canadian real estate data, and I report on that. And then two days later, the Ottawa Real Estate Board data comes out and the numbers don't jive. Right. Um, the reason is CREA pulls their data in a different way than the ORAB, the Auto Real Estate Board, puts it out. So, uh, you know, there's different boards that are represented within the Auto Real Estate Board. We talked about this before. Right. The Cornwall, yeah. board, the Renfrew Board are all sort of wrapped up together. Sometimes they're reported, sometimes they're not. Um, and the way that CREA groups properties is based on property type, not based on asset class. So I get nerdy about this stuff, right? So I do a week, a monthly update on what are the numbers, what's being reported, all that kind of stuff. And I've always broken it down for the last 10 years on here's what the overall number of sales are, overall you know fluctuations over month over month and year over year. Now... And then I break it down into two sides. I break it down onto the residential asset class and the condominium asset class. That's it. Right? But what's the, so you're saying there's asset class and there's what? Property type. Yeah. So now they're doing it based on property type. So property type is you have detached houses. You've got townhouses, which also include semi-detached and you've got apartments. Okay. Now, you can have a detached home that's owned as a part of a condominium. You can have, it's rare, but it is possible. There's one that I'm There's thinking. One. I've seen one. I've on, seen Richmond, one on Richmond Road, right? Uh, no, it was another one because I actually, I put something out on my socials about it because I was running some numbers for it. I have to go back and look, but I was like, that's odd. Because the agent I was talking to was like, he's like, it's even tough to put on an MLS because- 
it is detached, but yeah. it is a condo. Yeah. So it just, it skews things. But anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So all detached homes are recorded. So, so here's where it gets really sticky. When you talk about townhomes, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Group of four. Is it end or is it middle? And not much of a backyard. Yeah. That's it. In in three bedrooms up, a single car garage yeah. might, might not have an on Yeah, It's in one of the three suburbs, right? Your Orleans, Canada, or Barhaven. Oh, by the way, this one's in Riverside South or Finley Creek or whatever. But that's what you think of when you think of townhouse. What you don't think of, but is also included in the townhomes, is those 1980s built condo townhouses in the in south keys or in sure. carson meadows or whatever so now that's built into the property type townhouses slash semis skewing the that's gonna big time because they're not valued nearly the same that's and right. size is completely different yeah yeah and then just straight up condo fees are going to be a massive swing yeah, man. So, so the re the reason that Korea is doing this is <laughs> they have consistency all across all different boards. So, hey, as long as we're reporting the same data, I can tell you a detached home in Ottawa versus a detached home in Calgary has this average price. I can tell you that a semi or a townhouse in Ottawa versus in Vancouver has this average price. I can tell you an apartment in Ottawa has the same price as an apartment in uh you know nova scotia right or or whatever so by having consistency across the country it's good when they're talking about you know city to city what's going on it's messing us up because i'm in like i'm like i want to fight it right like i'm going to call the board and put out these new stats like this is this is this is not helpful i i don't i don't report stuff like this there's nothing i can do <laughs> see right. it's it's yeah i think one of the big at least from our perspective like the finance side one thing we've talked about a lot and our governing body uh being uh uh mortgage pros can mortgage professionals canada is our not our governing body but our association they yeah. do a lot of stuff with um they do a lot of consultation with the government which is good so you don't just get the six big banks talking about how everything should happen mm -hmm. um they, but one thing we've suggested a lot, they have suggested a lot, is from the rules standpoint, I'll make a point, I'll connect the dots here in a sec, but <laughs> they'll, they make a point to being of a saying like the rules that we're applying nationally, right, aren't necessarily the best way to do it when so much of real estate is regional, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's a similar thing, right? When we talk about, you know, uh, average mortgages and uh, all that stuff it like i don't take too much stock in it because it's like yeah but when you have a when you have a home in toronto for one point like a town home in mississauga for 1.5 is the same as a town home here in ottawa that's not 1.5 so we can't sit there and say well this is how it works right yeah. they, and that's the that's the thing about data and if you've ever taken stats that's why there's the, the outliers over here and here and we look for the median but these mess up that number in the middle. Yeah. So it like, and that's the thing I, I get it where they want to get the national consistency. So I agree, but you have to be able to drill down 
you have to be able to drill down through the data and go regional for it to really impact and make sense. Otherwise it's literally, it ends up being clickbait. Like well, that's I, it. It's not, it's not, it's not enough. It's not enough. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's exactly, that's exactly the case, right? I mean, you have a, a townhouse and this is the one that really messes me up the most. I can get apartment being whatever by itself. You're not going to have a, an apartment building that each person in the apartment owns like a detached or owns, uh, you know, as, as, as a freehold ownership. I really like the idea of seeing freehold ownership separate from condominium ownership. And again, that had its own whatever, because you could have an apartment, uh, a condo apartment, or you could have a condo townhouse. That was the big difference. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's ownership type is very, is very different, right? Those are two distinct uh, uh, types of, of ownership. You can own a residential property and own the land that it's sitting on, or you can own a condo and you don't own the land that it's sitting on. You, sh you share that ownership. And for me, that was a really easy way to see the distinction between the two. Now this feels a lot more like, okay, well, you know, this is what the consumer wants or, or there, like there's something else to it. I'm certain that having big data being the piece that's more important uh it, it tells tells a whole other story right like hey what's important isn't for you to have the, the the these these nuggets of truth in your you know practitioners in your practice what we want as the canadian real estate canadian real estate association is to have this big data because this big data is valuable to whoever wants to pay for it a lot more valuable to them than it is to little old me trying to help you figure out how to position your property. Thankfully, we can still go and do our job when we drill down into the specifics of the neighborhood or, you know, this is a condo. We do the CMA, like all that stuff, right? Data is, data is one thing and that's really what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, big, bit of a change. And so, you know, the numbers will show up different. But that, and that's, <clears throat> I think that goes to it. Like, that it goes to the point of why, why you want to hire the professionals, like the people that have access to that data. Like I know there's always a push towards, especially in a hot market, like you don't need a real estate agent, right? Like you don't, I can just, and you know what? I'll even say it on our side. There's people who are like, I don't need a broker. I can literally go online and go to that website, bang, bang, bang. And I'll, and I'll agree with them. I'll say, yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a, there's a, not a lot. There's a certain sect of people that really don't need my help. They really don't, if I'm honest, right? And there's going to be times where the market does what it can do and maybe you don't need to have that agent and it works out for you. But when you have access to that data, it's like, that's, to me, that's the key. I'm like, I don't know how to price my house. Apparently now, I don't even know what kind of house I own. So that's fun. Like, I mean, I do, but like, that would be the thing. If you're sitting, if you're sitting there in your townhouse, you're like, I wonder how, and you're looking trying to price this. I'm like, I wonder how you do what, what am I in? Am I in a semi? Is it a town? Is it a condo town? But is well, it you like here's here's the thing, right? If I look at the uh, at townhouse semi, the average price of a townhouse semi, it says here's what the average townhouse semi is. It has three bedrooms, like all the stuff that we just ran through. It has all these things, right? And it's freehold ownership because more of them are freehold ownership, but because the condominium ownership uh, 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 townhouses are in there, it skews the average number way down. So it says down. The, 
number is like average price point for 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 a townhouse i just i just looked at it where is it here that's apartment that's townhouse the average price of a townhouse in october is five hundred and seventeen thousand dollars is that okay so it's like it's it's 599 you see all of them listed they're 599 is the number they but it's skewed downwards because the average price of a condo townhouse four and a quarter like four four fifty yeah so it's skewed down right because the ratios are there the total number of uh um of, of townhouses is 259 and of those 259 uh, uh townhouses that sold in october I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. I haven't, again, I haven't dug down into the minutia, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say 75 of those, 75 of the 250 were apartment stock or a condo ownership. So that's skewing the number way down. And there might be some that are $800,000 townhouses or semis, and that's cool. But there's also some of them that are, might've been three and a quarter. Like you said, the outliers really, really, you know, jerk it up a little bit. So, you know, just being a consumer and looking at the averages that are posted versus having someone to pick it all apart the problem is we have access to so much information that you get like information overload and that's exactly why mm -hmm. you say hey you know what there are some people who don't need my services as a mortgage broker i'm going to disagree i'm going to say as an as a, as a real estate agent i don't think anybody should do this alone uh, there's too much fair. In it. totally uh, fair I, and and you know i've had family members go and sell their house privately and you know they oh well you know the market's hot right now put a sign in the front lawn i'll do it myself i'll save the the two and a half percent or whatever it is that i think i'm going to save and they go and sell it and they price it for this part and you know when the market's hot they sell for ten thousand dollars more hey this is great i sold it for ten thousand dollars more and it was like in one it happened so fast and da, 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 da. i'm like oh how much money do you think you might have left on the table and then of course three four days later the house goes up with a light with a, with a real estate agent and it sells for forty thousand dollars more than they got same market same time same house cookie cutter exact same thing hired a professional versus didn't hire a professional and the the real thing is they thought they did well they were happy selling it for ten thousand dollars more and leaving forty thousand dollars on the table now okay forty thousand dollars less realtor fees sure whatever you're still twenty thousand dollars to the good so it's, uh... Yeah, it's I, I say it a lot to people too, where, you know, especially in certain situations where, as soon as there's a question about value or your property, um, I think if we look at this in disappointing light, it's like you know divorces and it's people passing away, so it's estates, um, and anything like that. I'm just like, I'm like, just get an appraisal, but just pay for it. It's six hundred bucks. I know it sucks. I get it, right? But get the appraisal because that's going to tell you pretty much exactly what this thing should do. And it's going to cut through the noise of, well, you know, that lady down the, down the road bought the house for this. Did she just cause it was listed for that. Doesn't mean she did not to mention if they got it on the steel, maybe someone died. That's an outlier, right? Yeah. Like that's not, that's not the precedent for the street. And then the other people who went nuts in 2021, also not the precedent. Like that's not it either. Yeah. This is where we are today. Now you have the data. Do with it what you will. Yeah. But I just think it's so money well spent to deal with the professionals, get the exact number, make your plan off that. Can't do everything for free. Like it's it, this is a business. In the end, this, there's a business transaction here, and business costs money. It costs money to do to do business. So spend the money, right? Like I've 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 had two different clients get appraisals because I'm like, 
this is weird. Sorry, th three, four different clients in the last probably two months, right? One had a real weird outlier property, a hundred acres in the, in, you know, in the, in the country. Yeah, super unique. Right. Yeah. So, Hey, let's get an appraisal done and we'll, we'll, we'll run the value based off that. Right. Because how else can you justify that value? Another person had a, you know, $2 million plus house. Hey, what does the appraiser really think it's worth? Right. Another one was a multi-unit out again, out in the country where there's no other multi-units like that. So what's that worth? Another one, you know, someone was getting another $2 million plus house getting divorced. He's like, Hey, what do you think? It's like, it doesn't matter what I think you need to get an appraisal done. Right. So now once you have that real data, you can go and make a decision about it. But the thing is that appraisal that you did in September, it's November now. Doesn't qualify. You need a new appraisal because it's it's yeah. a, it's a different world right now. And I think that's we'll take a break. We'll talk about how the market's changing and shifting and sort of where we're at right now. We'll talk about that in the second half. Um, so hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, uh, share this with all of your friends who you think uh, might want to know, want to get nerdy about, uh, about numbers and stick around <laughs> for the second half so we can talk about, uh, what's coming down the pipe for the next, you know, uh, call it month and a half before we end 2023. Um, if you'd like to book Kyle or I, you can do so in our, in the Calendly link below, uh, and we'll see you on the flip side. This episode of the Real Collective podcast is brought to you by Real Collective. Real Collective brings together best-in-class real estate agents and collective experts in the field to deliver the best possible service to our clients. We govern ourselves with honesty, open-mindedness, and compassion. With diverse skill sets, our agents are able to better serve a wide array of clients, including first-time buyers, first-time sellers, transferees, estate sales, investors, and rural, vacation, and luxury products properties. Authenticity and transparency are pillars of our process, which allows us to put our clients at the center of everything we do. Our years of experience and knowledge allow us to deliver prestigious service and optimal results. If you are interested in buying or selling your home, contact us today at realcollective.ca. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the Real Collective podcast, always the better half because it's shorter. I am Sean Tasse and you are Miller. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. For my life. Uh, you can hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, download this and uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, share this with somebody who you think might be interested to know what's going to happen for the rest of the year. What are we doing moving forward and preparing for the beginning of 2024? But before we start talking about 2024, what's going to happen between now and the end of the year? as the market continues to go off, what are we seeing in terms of appraisals and what do we expect in terms of appraisals for the next six weeks or so, Kyle? Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's tough. I think markets in Ottawa are definitely unique in general because it's amazing. Um, like some markets have held really well. I say markets being areas, right? Like, you know, Riverside South has always held well for values, uh, at least that I've seen. Yeah. So, and other, and other parts too have, have, done, have done well and some have not done so well. So it'll be, it's, it's definitely pockets of, of things to look at. But I think that the one thing though, is that if you, if you are doing anything, need an appraisal, just remember that your appraisal is done. Appraisals are done and the lenders each have a guideline. So one myth, I think if we're talking appraisals for a sec, is that people are like, well, the bank wants to like have this undercut and actually they don't, they just need to know the values there. And the, the, the appraiser's job is to not cut down your house because the bank doesn't want to pay. The bank's not doing anything. They're right. just they're just playing risk. So right. they want to know 
what that value is, right? Like, yeah, exactly. There you go. They just want to know what that value is. And it's the appraiser's job to be accurate about that. So they're not there to undercut your deal. However, where they are there to do is play by the banks, the lenders uh, guidelines. So lenders will say things like, hey, we want to see three sales in the last 30 days of the exact same model. Mm-hmm. And then the appraiser's like, well, we don't have that. Yeah. Then they have to go outside and pick the next best thing and justify why this value is there. So that so the so a slower market or a slower area can affect your value, yeah. right? Just like a super hot one could too. So it, it that'll be the thing. And as and as things slow down, there's less and less activity, there's less and less comparables, and the less comparables mean you're stuck with whatever's out there comparing yeah. your house to. So it would be a thing. It's it's kind of like you want to get you want to be there when it's active is yeah. the thing. So if things are slowing down, can it affect your value? Yeah, it can affect your value. And the houses look better in the sunshine and in the sunshine and dry than snow and gray. So yeah. that can affect that can affect a little bit of just the look of it, right? So it's uh it's data driven, but the the, the market dictates the data. So it's going to be interesting. So yeah, the next two, three months is, I don't think it's the best for, uh, well, no, I think now is okay because we came out of activity through like September and October or November. So that activity is still legit. When we hit January, February, and they look back October, November, December, and things are lower, that's when you might see a little bit of a dip, right? So you might want to just plan ahead. By now. Uh, so what we saw, <laughs> there's the pitch. What we saw actually was the lowest uh, number of transactions in an October that we've seen in the last 10 plus years. So the sales activity is down, but interestingly enough, the sales prices are not. So maybe there's a lag between the sales prices potentially dropping down for November and December. Maybe there's an opportunity to go out and steal something if you're a buyer, right? Someone, hey, you know, I've been sitting on the market. I haven't sold. I dropped my price. I still didn't get any action on it. Ooh, now there's a chance to go and jump at something. But like you say, that appraisal might not come back nice, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it might, it might, it might not. But I mean, the right appraisers, the good appraisers do a good job. They justify it. They understand how it's supposed to be. And yeah. again, it's not their job. It's not their job to discount your property or, or, you know, work for the bank, not you. Like they're not, they're not trying to, to, you know, to submarine your deal at right. the end of the day. Right. But again, it's just, it, as that activity wanes, there will be less and less. So they have to dig hard. They have to work harder and harder to get that value. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's the thing. And we see it, right. We see in the, in the, in the late fall and in the winter average prices being five to 7% less than they are in the, in the exciting heat of the market in the spring and the summer. Right. It just, it just, we see that in Ottawa, that is our typical seasonality. Right. So, you know, it, I, I think, I think if you, if you are buying and you're trying to time the market, first of all, don't. Uh, second of all, if you are, <laughs> then again, you know, little, little tongue in cheek here Buy now. Right there. I think well, there's here's opportunity. Yeah. Keep, keep going. Yeah. So that, that's the thing we were talking about this last week and it got me going. So I was doing some math and I sent it out to a bunch of people. Um, and this is, these are the parameters that I put. So this gets a little technical. You might have to pull out your, uh, your abacus here to do some math, but the whole thought here is that 
is that this could be this could be the right time to buy for some because conditions are here, excitement is a little bit lower, right? It's this time it's this time of year, so it's slow it slows down. But when everybody zigs, you tend to want to zag, right? Yeah. If you're looking for something, if you're looking for a deal. Yeah. So the math I did was I did this a bunch, but I'll just pick one. So doing doing a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage at today's rates, I used five point eight four percent twenty five year amortization. So that'd be an insured deal. But a five hundred k mortgage at that parameter is three thousand one hundred fifty one dollars a month. I'm doing the math on the side here. Good. So just uh, well, I mean, I already did it, but I just want to do something else. So three thirty one fifty one. Yeah. Now, if if interest rates drop to I pick four and a half. Now that's steep. That's a steep cut. It's going to take a while just, to get there. Yeah. It's going to take a while to get there. Sure. But let's just say it did. Right. And that spurs a big, a big, a big run on buys, which it probably will, because people are going to get that feeling, especially if it happens more towards the spring. Yeah. Right. A 10% increase in price. So to 550, that's it. Just a 550 on a 25 year AM at four and a half percent. The payment's three thousand forty-four. It's less. So, so it's less, right? But you paid fifty thousand dollars more for the house. So, for the grand total of hundred and seven dollars a month, right? What side of that equity split do you want to be on? Right. Because if you you buy it now, the price is lower. Yes, the interest rate is higher. I get it. But if the market goes back when the rates come down and the market starts to pick up, which it will eventually. You've already owned that house. You've already you've already paid it down, and now the market's taking it back up. Right, ten percent was just an easy number. I'm not saying it's going that high. I'm just saying the difference there is you're paying more for it. You're paying more for the house, and only saving a hundred and seven dollars. Right. So it's 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 that it, that's I feel like we're in that area right now, yeah. where where it's still okay to do it today. You have to be able to afford it. I'm not saying stretch yourself and, and, and hope like hopium as Ron Butler says is not a good drug. Like don't do that. But it's, but at the same point, if it fits and it works, then that's, that's, it could be some time. It could be a steal here. It could be a steal. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think um, that what we're going to see between now and the end of the year is more of a drop off. I mean, Typical seasonality means you've got another two weeks, give or take, of, of excitement in the marketplace because as soon as December hits, like by the time this video comes out, we're recording this before Remembrance Day is the day before Remembrance Day. By the time this video comes out, you're going to be allowed to turn your Christmas lights on, right? You're going to allowed to be decorating for, you can't decorate until after Remembrance Day, fully understand, I'm with it, uh, you know. <laughs> did a whole bunch of reading with my kids about remembrance day and the poppies and, and what it means to be a soldier and stuff like that. A uh, lot of respect and uh, obviously a lot of uh, gratitude for having our freedom and peace. Um, and well said people want to things people want to celebrate Christmas. So, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. And if you turn on your Christmas lights and put out your Christmas decorations and start listening to Christmas music, it changes your mindset to, oh, okay, this is fun. This is good. It brings back a little bit of hope and joy and all that kind of stuff that, you know, when the 
out when the when it gets dark at four o'clock you're like yeah i need that you know um so i think as we ramp up towards towards winter as we as we ramp up towards the end of the year the number of people who are actually looking to transact and buy and sell houses so that they can you know buy in november december and move in february nobody wants that you know yeah so so if if there's a chance and you're a buyer and, and you and you want to sort of time the market, the the time to buy like you've got you've got a good thing. Here's the difference: as soon as the year changes, as soon as it stops saying 2023 and it starts saying 2024, everybody starts to cut. Oh, okay, I made a plan. I'm going to buy this year, and they and 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 the my phone starts ringing. People start getting up and they start getting back into it. And but I really think the best month to buy. Is December. Well, like you said, while everybody else is zigging, here's your chance to zag. And just remember too that it's for people who do want to buy. I think I got a couple of things different to say, but for people who do want to buy, you don't have to close in December. Right. <laughs> like you can close. You can do you can be the person who's like, ah, and you know, moving in February. Yeah. Or you can do it in March. Yeah, right. Or- like you can do it in March. You we get we'll get you get rate holds for 90, 120 days. I've had deals done with people who, because it worked, right, they were able to get a deal and close in five or six months. We had to do a little dance with the rates and whatever, but they close in five or six months from now, right? But they put it on paper that early and every and it just worked for everybody. And that's cool. So yeah. there's different ways to play that. There's different ways to play that game. You don't have to close in December. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the big misnomer, you know, is uh, people are missing out on the idea that hey, you know what? There's 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 an opportunity here to buy now and close down the road and take advantage of both, especially if you've got also got a house to sell and you're buying a house. My my suggestion is buy time, right? Buy now when the market's as flat as it can possibly be and get ready to be on the market mid-February sort of thing, you know, moving into March. And then you take advantage of the hot spring market. And you also take advantage when you're selling and you take advantage of the lull, you know, Christmas market when you're buying. That's my take on how to plan the whole thing out. If you have full ability to plan the whole thing out, I'll tell flippers the same thing. Look, you want to, you want to flip your house. You want to do a 90 day flip, right? Uh, Buy in December so that you can sell it in March. That's it. If you can, if you can stand to inconvenience yourself, slightly, yes. Yes. there's money there. There is money and opportunity. I would say money. There's opportunity. If you're willing to inconvenience yourself now, right? like that's, I think that's in a lot of cases. Now, of course, in the winter time, uh, you don't get to see the roof because there's snow on it. You don't get to see the foundation because there's snow up against it. So there's also more risk if you're buying in the winter time. Right. But if you're buying, in December and there isn't that much snow and it's a day like, you know, where the snow melts, you might be able to still see the roof, see the foundation, see all the stuff that you need to see. So, you know, again, people can do whatever they want. That's my, that's my take. Yeah. That's time to buy is, 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 is December. And I think, and the other thing too, is that for anybody who's coming into 2024, you know, mortgage renewals and stuff like that, we're now we're, we're already planning March. Yeah. Like we're already planning March. And to, to reach out, to get, you know, rate holds done, to look at what the, the, the finances look like, to potentially refinance if you have to, especially if you're coming out of the last five years, I'm just here to tell you, your payment is going up. It doesn't matter what you do. Your payment is going up. 
So we want to plan ahead on that as much as we can to soften that blow. Don't wait till you're a week before at the planning stages now. And for people who are even coming into like August and, and, you know, eight, nine, 10 months, it's still the same problem for you. So, and we, but we can, we can help mitigate that and ride out some of these fluctuations because fixed interest rates have definitely taken a little bit of a tumble, which is nice, but it's still volatile. So they can go back up tomorrow. Like the bond market's ridiculous. So we see, but you can ride that wave. We have different ways of doing that for sure. So it's the time to start as much as December is the time to buy. It's also the time to start looking at what's happening in the next, for you in the next six to eight months. And just to be clear, I'm not saying this because I want to work a lot in December. I'm also cool with taking it easy, but the savvy buyer really is, is what you should be doing. Um, so as always, uh, yeah, thanks Kyle for, for, for joining. Uh, as always hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share this with somebody who you think might find this information valuable. You can listen to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, schedule an appointment directly with Kyle to renew your mortgage in the Calendly link below schedule an appointment with me to talk about your buying or selling or investing in real estate needs. And we'll catch you on the flip side until next time. Keep it real. Collective. Collective.